You're listening to the Just Giants podcast with Grump and the Cranky Fan. Be sure to listen for free on iTunes, Google Play, SoundCloud, and Podbean. Welcome back to another episode of Just Giants with Grump and the Cranky Fan. I am your host, the Football Grump. With me, as always, is Mike, the Cranky Fan. We're back from vacation. Memorial Day is over, and uh, it's officially summer. We're not the best damn podcast with the best damn sports team anymore. We are. We are. It's just there's no football going on right now. It's pretty light. (laughs) All right. Yeah, it's great to be back, Grump. Uh, We were both on vacation for a while. We were literally halfway around the world from each other so uh missed you buddy glad to be back yeah yeah um i was in qs florida i got back not that long ago um maybe a week ago by the time you're hearing this about a week ago um I... <clears throat> and you you not even that long ago yeah i got back from dubai uh saturday morning and i'm finally hitting the wall for being tired so uh pretty amazing place uh it's it's you know it's not kansas it is certainly not kansas it's like a place that you know 40 years ago was basically the desert now it's the most modern city you can possibly think of and you know for being in the middle east is very very western so it was a place if you have a business you know an expense account like i was fortunate enough to have it's quite a place to be (laughs) so it was really cool um I could do it out 14-hour flights. I'm not a big fan of flying, but uh, it was great. Great experience, and uh, the only problem is when you're eight hours ahead, you basically miss everything. You know, I when I left, the Knicks were still in the playoffs. Uh, when I left, you know, all these things were going on, and the thing is, like, I was waking up in the morning when it's like two minutes left in fourth quarter is a basketball, or baseball games are just ending, so... Um, I, I, I deleted tweet, Twitter from my account because I really wanted to be immersed in where I was and stuff and not be distracted with things. So I'm kind of kind of out of loop for things. So I think that's kind of where we're going to head with this show is let's bring the crank back up to speed on life. Yeah, and I guess that's sort of what we're going to do here. We've had a lot of uh, a lot of news passed in the last couple of weeks. So let's get right down to it. Uh, we're going to kind of start with the biggest news out there. Uh, the Giants hired Ryan Cowden as a executive advisor to the general manager. That is kind of an umbrella term for now. Um, there is some speculation that he is still being paid by Tennessee in some regard. Also, the assistant GM spot is already uh, taken. But in any case, Ryan Cowden, former scout in Carolina with Joe Shane many years ago, he worked in scouting at both the college and pro evaluation levels. Most recently was a GM candidate around the NFL. He was the interim GM for Tennessee last year. He did not retain his job when they chose Rand Carthon this offseason instead. But he did oversee aspects of the NFL draft, per Art Stapleton anyway. That being said, I just recently released a video where I sat down and talked with uh, Tennessee Titans fan, NFL draft analyst, uh, Stoney Keeley on my oh. Football Grump channel. Uh, and we talked about the Titans draft at length, uh, which was an interesting draft and a very, very good draft, in my opinion. 
Uh, also interesting in that they went all offensive players. But being that Ryan Cowden is now the executive advisor to the general manager for this year and probably an increased role with a different title next year, um, that would be something I'd recommend checking out. I have the link in the description below. It was a nice, casual, like, 40-minute chat. Um, but now the front office consists of GM Joe Shane, assistant general manager Brandon Brown, who we expect may be leaving for a general management position somewhere in the near future, um, pro player uh, evaluation is Tim McDonald, um, assistant Dennis Hickey, and director of pro scouting Chris Rossetti. So this is a pretty pretty interesting hire, pretty big hire, and it's pretty cool. Uh, we have a lot of young minds, a lot of experienced minds also in the front office. So it sounds like a move for somebody they were trying to get and maybe just wasn't contractually available at the time and we were just waiting for him to be available at some point to grab him? Is yeah, that, yeah, pretty much. Thinking? Yeah. So um, he probably would he would probably would have been part of that initial, you know, hiring when, 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 once you know, once we hired Chain and everything. Well he was in the running for that position as well. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I think the idea is that he would be a general management guy around the league at some point, somewhere. Uh, he probably mm-hmm. he the, the general thinking is that he could have gotten an assistant GM position somewhere this year, and instead chose to come here and work you with know, Joe Shane. My think my take thinking about this, you know, whether it's you know head coach, coordinators, GMs, is that fans think, oh. I got my guy for the next nine, ten years, and that's not the way this league works. Um, I think the way this league works is you need to have a roster and a bench of guys that it's such a transitory league where if you have the skills and you have, you know, the uh, the narrative behind you, you are going to move up. You're going to be an assistant GM for X amount of years, and then you're going to move on and become a, a general manager. And I think. Building this kind of bench, like I said, of, of, of bright young minds where there's going to be attrition, especially as this team, you know, made the playoffs last year. We're hoping that trajectory keeps going up and they become rising stars. People are going to leave. You know, we we talked all off, you know, being in the offseason. How long is Wink going to stay? How long is, you know, Coach X or Coach Y going to stay? So I think, you know. Just because you have your general manager in place or you have your head coach in place or your offensive coordinator in place, you know, let's look at how that makeup is in three years. It's going to be vastly different, good, bad, or indifferent. So I think you just keep trying to hire the best people you can and you find roles for them. You make up roles for them. You do what you have to because you're there are going to be pressed into more important roles because of this attrition. So I'm glad we are thinking, you know, not for next year and the year after, but, you know, let's think of 2024 and 2025 and, and see how it goes. Absolutely. I couldn't agree with you more. Uh, you know, look at everything the same way, whether it's your roster. And we say this, you know, be drafting offensive linemen every couple of years, no matter what. doesn't matter what your, what your team looks like. People enter free agency. People get hurt. People leave for whatever reason. Same, mm-hmm. same thinking should apply to your front office. You want to develop young talent. Let them grow within your system and also bring in guys with the expectation that people will leave at the same yeah. time. So, yeah, look, absolutely. Look at like look at Alabama, for example. I mean, Nick Saban has been successful now for 15 plus years. Look at how many coordinators and assistants and, and, and 
special assistants to the assistants he has. They keep hiring the best because they know that these guys are going to get jobs and move on and become head coaches of the college ranks, get poached by the NFL, et cetera. But they are always thinking, you know, hire this guy, hire this guy, hire this guy. We're going to need him. So, and that's why they're successful. You know, even though there's been all that churn that they have at, at the highest position. So I, 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 you know, this to me is, this may not have been a move the Giants might have made a regime or two ago. You know, this is now another example of all we wanted once we had the, the, the purging after the 2021 season of we wanted this to be a 21st century team. And these are the types of moves that a 21st century team makes. Yeah. Um, the, the other things that are dominating the news right now, the Giants are in the midst of their OTAs. The OTAs are 10 voluntary organized team activities. They've had three so far um, as of this recording. Um, right now, Brian Dable views these as teaching and learning, not practice and install. So uh, think technique refinement, think language, think chemistry, things like that. Um, early reports are that Darren Waller is impressing early, which is good to hear because that was kind of the marquee move. Uh, lower on the totem pole, Colin Johnson and Sterling Shepard are moving well early on. That's good to hear for Shepard. Um, coming off of injury, same thing with Colin Johnson coming off of torn ACL. Myself, well, I'm super excited for Bobby O'Karake to to show his stuff. Well, I guess the most important question, again, being completely out of the loop for stuff, is you said they're voluntary. Who's not there? That I guess let's put that in two categories: people we expected not to be there, is any, or is there anybody there that everybody? We, yeah, no, everybody we expected to be there is there. Okay. Um, Brian Dibble was happy with the attendance, so that's good. Okay. Um, th- th- there's still going to be more OTAs. I, 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 there's not much that can happen in these OTAs. It's a lot of seven-on-seven seven with like no contact and, and that sort of thing. So there's not a lot to read into this. It's basically what I was saying about them. Uh, and it, it's good to hear that Waller is impressing early. It's good to hear – like I see Bobby Okereke's post – uh, practice press conferences and he seems very intelligent he's very very um, confident cool collected I feel very confident with that he's got the green dot in practices this is kind of like little stuff though because none of it means anything that green dot can be taken away from him and go back to McKinney at any time um, you know whatever it's it's just cool little things but the OTAs are just very much like I said they're they're like technique refinement they're language stuff they're chemistry things between you know O-linemen and, and you know receiver, quarterback kind of stuff. It's not really practice, practice, the more exciting stuff that happens in training camp. So Yeah, it's like when, you go, when you're off to go to college, you know, in the summer they have something called preview. You go up to campus for a couple of days, like a night or two. You kind of figure out, okay, here's where all the buildings are. This is what this will be like. So when you're on your first day, you're not walking around like a complete lost freshman. So that's what this is. It's like, you know, there's roster churn every year. It's a new team than it was last year. Guys getting to know each other. You know, they're learning how to do things the giant way. You're not talking about getting ready for week one. You're talking about, okay, this is, you're going to be my, the guy next to me in the locker room. And, you know, this is, you know, I'm learning the beats of the guys in my position room and things. So that's, that's all this is. I know we're getting thirsty for news because it's, it's slow time of the year and people try to make OTAs more than they are, but that's really, this is, it's, it's foundational work for the heavy lifting 
that will start really in August. Right, and there's there's going to be more of them. So, sure. um, our our next episode, it's kind of going to be the dominant force in you know the next couple of episodes. So I'm just going to outline them now. Uh, we'll recap this at the end of the episode, whatever. But um, there will be more on the 30th. That's the day this is airing. The 31st, the 2nd, and the 5th, that'll be next episode's OTA report number 3. There'll be a couple more the following week. That'll be OTA report number 3. I, well, I think I feel like I said that twice. OTA report number 2, <laughs> then OTA report number 3. And then there is, on June 13th and 14th, mandatory minicamp. The notable difference being that this is mandatory. So anyone who does not show up uh, would get fined, theoretically, and miss out on uh, paychecks based on each practice that they miss that will be the episode following that so on that note on that note the entire rookie draft class has been signed uh saquon barkley remains the holdout this is kind of like the non-stop let's talk about this everyday thing uh in giants land so i have avoided it for that reason um but his contract extension slash 10 million dollar franchise tag remains unsigned they have until July 17th to figure it out. I don't know why the 17th, if there's mandatory minicamp before that. I don't know what that deadline is. Um, he didn't report to OTAs. Not likely going to show up for minicamp either, I don't think. Um, you know, part of me is like, it's an opportunity he could potentially get hurt. I'm almost, he doesn't have to prove anything to anybody on the field. He doesn't need to get himself in the condition or any of that stuff to me. I'd rather just wait. Let's get this thing signed at some point, and I'll be fine. I'm not. Lo- I'm not losing a second of sleep over any of this. No, anything- like I said, yeah, yeah. It's just yeah. language, technique refinement, chemistry. None of the things that Saquon Barkley needs to work on right now. It's not Thanks. super important. So this is also standard operating procedure for anyone with a franchise tender that wants a contract extension is to not show up at these things. It's. It is not news. I don't think anybody in Giants land is upset. I haven't seen that sentiment. Um, my question to you is, do you think that a deal is done by July 17th? I think they'll get something done. I agree with you. I, I don't really think Saquon Barkley has that much leverage anymore. I don't think he has much leverage, and I think I think the Giants just want to have a clean, you know, a clean bill of health or a clean bill of uh, goods going into – into the fall they don't they, this is something that it would be a distraction more than anything else i mean ultimately a deal i think would be done but you don't want anything that's going to linger and all of a sudden you don't want the, you don't want the narrative for the giants to be the first story the saquon barkley incident you know they built a, a nice story last year of coming from the dregs of the nfl to making the playoffs you know the daniel jones situation got sorted out we're, we're all as giant fans we're feeling pretty good about ourselves you know we're not booking flights to to vegas for the super bowl but we're all a 180 degree difference in attitude than we were this time last year and i don't really don't think the giants as an organization want the first you know little sound bite they don't want Stephen a smith they don't want you know uh the usa today capsule to be saquon barkley not reporting so i i think they're going to get it done there's not that much you know, we're not talking a massive gap between the two. I I, th- I think it gets done. Um, yeah, I'm not really sure what the gap is, and I'm not even sure if they get a contract extension or he signs the tag. But I do think that something is done before the 17th. He stands only to lose money at that point, and 
I don't know. I don't see and the I, end game I, for him working out better. Ten million. The other thing is, is that ten million dollars is like really good for his position, and he's been yeah. paid handsomely for his position in the biggest marketing spot in the world. Um, his marketing value probably would have been a lot more had they been winners before last year, yeah, right? And, I mean that that's also, that's for damn sure. But I mean that sort of is hurt, what it is. Too. Yeah, and also yeah. it being hurt hurts a little bit, a little out of sight, out of mind, a little bit. No, but good point, good point. Yeah, and also that the money he'd be losing for not showing up. I mean, I'm sure they'll work that out and they'll they'll drop those fines or something. I, yeah, I guess. Um, yeah. In other news, the Giants hosted a visit from offensive tackle Yadni Kajust. He visited the team. This is a 2019 third round pick from West Virginia, formerly with the Patriots. 6'5", 310 pounds, 34-inch arms. I don't really remember a whole lot about him, so I'm not going to claim that I do, but I did rewatch <laughs> some stuff from him coming out of college, which is probably the most film I could find in one spot. I don't think he got significant playing time with the Patriots. Um, but athletic tackle, quick feet, um, maybe some strength issues. I think he can stop his feet a little bit when he's punching, and that can be a problem if he's lunging or reaching uh, or just up against a good edge rusher um this is kind of a backup swing tackle i i'm a big fan of bringing this guy in there i think Corey cunningham has his limitations uh i think matt parrot has his limitations and so does yadni kajust and i think that um you you the competition brings out the best and that's certainly a spot you know i i even thought that they could do a backup swing tackle in the late rounds of the draft they did not uh but i thought it would have been warranted i think it would have been fine um, I don't know. My, Are you concerned about that? Well, my first thought is, how much cap space do we have left? To I have sign no idea. There, it's everything's going to be tight from now on, and okay. it's so okay. fluid. I don't think any single source has it exact. So it's tight, basically. I, I I agree with you completely about competition. I mean, we just get these guys in here and let them battle it out in training camp to see the best one. I mean, you know, even if you know they they do sign him, I'm sure it'll be pretty close to a minimal deal you know it's a guy who said you had to look you had to go back to college to look for film that tells you about you know what his place in the market is yeah yeah he's he's a role player looking to fill that backup role now tackle yeah. you can still command some you know cap management worthy money mm-hmm. at backup you know as opposed to you know backup guard or, or whatever but 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 it's also how many weeks and months are we since free agency started and why is he still out there sure but remember, there's still going to be that whole second wave of roster cutdowns after preseason as well. Oh, that, that's true, but we're, we're not there we're, yet. <laughs> we're not there yet. No, correct. Yeah. But And so yeah. this visit, this could be due diligence for future work. Remember, they had Ashawn Robinson in for a visit long before he eventually signed. So, you know, that second wave of cutdowns is in the future. But, you know, so is, you know, a million other benchmark times where they could sign him, where they think they might need him. Um, also around the league, Giants news, I guess. No, nah, I mean, yeah, I guess the Giants news, the Giants announced the legacy games. We guessed okay. one of them correctly. One of them we didn't guess. Um, week seven, a one o'clock game against Washington, October 22nd. That will be a legacy game. I love that. I like playing Washington in old uniforms. I feel I, like I, that feels right, right? I, I absolutely do. I mean, you know... Cowboys are a big rivalry, obviously, but the the rivalries that's the longest, I believe, is Washington. You know, yeah. even in you know the, the Eagles were the early forties. I think they started in the mid thirties. You know, starting with Buff, uh, Boston before they went to Washington. Giants Redskins feels old, and I like 
I've said Redskins three times. I know that they're doesn't matter. You get a Washington franchise. Exactly, exactly. And I just um, that that feels right to me. Um, I like it. Um, I, I'm going to throw this to you. I, I'm sure we've talked about this before. And I don't know if you want to talk about this for three seconds or, or three minutes, but you know when they go back to the old school uniforms, either from Color Rush or when they do them for the Legacy. A lot of people want that to be the permanent uniforms. Where do you officially stand on that? Because to me, I love our current uniforms, and I love how using throwing the old ones back to the throwback is a perfect complement to it. Well, the legacy thing—I don't the, the color rush ones that are white with the helmets. I, I they they could be the permanent like away game ones or whatever, but I don't. Yeah. I don't want to switch the helmets up. I'm okay with the helmets the way they are. I'm okay with our uniforms the way they are. Um, but the the thing about the legacy game is that it is more than just the uniforms. They redo the field. If you yeah, remember, they changed the whole soundtrack to the eighties. That's fantastic. Um, and they changed the scoreboard is all retro looking too. If you remember, yeah, it was like it that really, Matrix look. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So it's that is a special moment. Those games. Uh, I don't want those games to be. I I I think that's perfect. Two games a year. However you want to do them. I like that they did. I, I didn't even announce the second one yet, which is uh, we, we guessed this one. Week 13, December 11th, a Monday night game against Green Bay. We knew that one was coming. But I like that they did a 1 o'clock game. They did a Monday night game. So you have a primetime one. They have a 1 o'clock one. And I think that works if it's primetime or if it's the America's Game of the Week, the 430 game that like half the nation gets. It's cool that they put it in the spotlight at the same time that they have it just for the regular 1 o'clock classic NFL things. I think it's perfect the way it is. I, I would not screw with it. I, it's And it doesn't come from a love for our current uniforms. I think our current uniforms are fine. I just – the legacy game is a very special thing, and I, I think it's awesome that they started it. I don't want them to get rid of it or, or dilute it. I, I agree completely. You know, it's amazing how a lot of fan bases, when they have a uniform, they hate them. Like, when are we changing them? And, and the bucks come to mind. They hated the creamsicles for years and years. When are we changing it? When are we changing it? I remember when the ownership came. When are we changing uniforms? Now, they cream their pants when they get the chance to wear the throwbacks again. So, I I understand why people like the uniforms in the '80s, but to me, I I personally think our uniform is the best uniform in the NFL. The NY is classic looking. The uniform itself is clean. It's simple. It's distinctive. You know, Giants are big blue. Boom. That's the uniform. Blue with white. No, no dated you know, 90s look like the like the uh the broncos have no dated 70s look like some of these old teams used to have they're perfect make that your uniform you know we don't have to follow trends we're the giants we're not chasing after fans we're not chasing after attendance keep tradition and we've had these uniforms now for a long time the the what's old is new again once 25 years that's a long long time so keep them the way they are i love them yeah, I'm with you there. Um, big news that's very, very recent to this episode. The Arizona Cardinals cut DeAndre Hopkins. He is now a free agent in the league. Um, whether or not he becomes a giant, uh, I mean, I think he's the guy in sort of the twilight-ish era of his career. Whether we can talk about his stats or whatever the facts are, he's like 31. Um, so... He may be willing to take less money to win 
This may be the time that a player may be doing it. I doubt it's going to be with the Giants. I, the thought has not even really passed my mind. But nevertheless, the Giants play the Cardinals this year, so it's good news addition by subtraction anyway, right? Sure. Well, I mean, that, that brings up a little bit of a bigger point you just made. Uh, do you think players yet look at the Giants as a team that they think they can win with for in a very short window? Like a guy like him, it's like, I take a little less money to play with the Giants. I think they're... They're on the verge of winning big, or you think this this team is still a year or two away from perception-wise? That I'm not gonna, you know, I'm not gonna impact my financial situation just to go to that team. I think that there are specific people that might, and I think a premier wide receiver can look at the Giants and think I am the difference that will make this team. I mean, because when you look at it, you know, as an offensive player. What more could you add to the Giants that's like a one-piece thing that could put them over the top other than a wide receiver? You know, sure. y- if you want to make the argument that, like, ah, there's still a couple defenders away from doing something. I don't I don't trust that defense or something like that. Then, you know, maybe. But, you know, I, I think that uh, DeAndre Hopkins could be talked into – uh, being like you're the you are the thing that will you'll be not only will this team be a contender it will be you and Daniel Jones that are doing it yeah kind of thing you, and you and it, yeah. you know never and not to say that this is ego driven um because you know he is a talented guy but like you know you could always poke into that ego it's part of that confidence is part of what makes those premier guys premier guys so it's possible I I think and- that. He can be viewed as a difference maker for specific teams to be contenders. Yeah. Any word on the street why they cut him? I think that this is just a whole teardown regime. Uh, money issues. Okay. Uh, yeah. Arizona's just kind of a seller right now, right? Yeah. Yeah, I would think so. Okay. I mean, yeah. I mean, <laughs> if, if the money's right and he wants it, he thinks it's a good situation. It's not com- I mean, he's not coming here. I, yeah. I, I don't think that at all. But like I said, Giants play the Cardinals this year. They will not have to worry about DeAndre Hopkins. Because, you know, our luck, you have that 11-catch, 183-yard game against us. And, yeah. You know, fantastic. It's <laughs> not good. And, and speaking of sellers, uh, I believe the Snyders have sold the Washington Commanders, I think, to Josh Harris, the owner of the Philadelphia Sixers and the New Jersey Devils. I think it still needs an owner's vote. Or something like that, but I think the soul the the sale has like all everything's been signed. <laughs> it's an amazing legacy the guy had, you know. <laughs> I mean, you know, it, he leaves behind, you know, a obviously all the PR mess, all the legal issues he has, a team that hasn't been relevant in a long, long time, um, a stadium that they don't want to play in anymore. Uh, you know, the only thing basically he did was success was the value of the team from when he bought it to when he sold it made him a billionaire. And, you know, if that's what the scorecard is, kudos to you. But um, which, which you would attribute to the NFL gaining in popularity, not anything. he. Did, yeah, right? yeah, pretty much. I mean, having I mean, they had early success. success when he took over right around the turn of the century. Right. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, I mean, they had early success and until about 2008, probably. Right. Right, but a lot of the infrastructure might have been inherited when he got it. So. I would I would agree. Yeah. I, I will say that he's handing it off at like a clean slate push. I mean, they have a new team name, right? Mm-hmm. They are looking for a new site to play in. So, I mean, that's still an unresolved thing, but it's up to the new owner to decide or to work towards. 
Right. Um, so, uh, that I mean, that's sort of he's not really the dumpster fire has been burnt out, and from the ashes, Josh Harris may build. Right. I guess. Yeah. I you know I'm from a fan standpoint. I'm always more worried about when a team gets a really good general manager or a really good head coach or a really good quarterback more than I will about a name of an owner. I mean, an owner is, you know. There, it's very, very rare instances where an owner was an owner of a team before, and this is his second time being an owner in, in the league. So, you know, a lot of times owners come in, they like to make a big splash, and they make kind of clean house and get rid of get rid of the baby with the bathwater, where things aren't working because they want to put their their thumbprint on it and try to accelerate things more because you know it's it's a whole new know experience for them so i don't get you know whoever the new owners are going to be i'm not going to be again staying up at night worrying about you know you know even guys like you know what's in carolina you know a billionaire now they're still that's still a team in progress you know so you know it sucks that a guy like snyder's not there anymore because he's he's just been proven to be inept and maybe this, the new ownership would be better, but I wouldn't be as worried right now as a Giant fan because there'll be no ownership in the division. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I am, I am upset in in the certain sense that uh, you could count on Dan Snyder to screw something up for the team and have them penalized a draft pick or or something. Yeah. Um, but but in all reality, I think it's good for the league that he's out i think it's good for the division rivalry that team has been a poverty franchise for far too long now they are a joke even if they've won some games against us even if they found their way backwards into the playoffs they have not been a relevant national conversation in a long time uh and and that's a shame that's not good well even on a bigger level i think he's just a blight for the league Uh, i mean and that would yeah you know something you know Regardless if they're the you know the Cowboys or or whoever you know we want this NFL to be as successful as we can. We love the fact that this is now the national pastime, and we love that the league is getting healthier and stronger. It makes for a better product, and you know makes you know we we joke a, a lot about oh that you know there's a two hour TV show for you know announcing the schedule. Well, that's just just because of the health of the league and the interest in the league, and guys like him hurt the league. You know, they created a, a, a horrible culture in Washington. Uh, you know, there's lawsuits all over the place. The guy was just adamant about not changing the name of the team. You know, I'm not getting into an argument whether they should or shouldn't have, but he was defiant when clearly, you know, the public sentiment was to do it. You know, there's all these different things. So you don't want pricks in this league. And I think the league wants to get away from the uh, – you know the old guy in the uh, drinking this, the, the, having the cigars and smoking the sitters in the back room, running this league anymore. It needs to be a, more of a diverse ownership and it, to represent you know the players and coaches and fans of this league. So I, I think it's just good for the league in general. I agree. Speaking of the league, this is going to be our our last two points here. Of the episode our league rule changes. Ooh. Um, the first, the first of which, the Thursday night flex rule. This one had a lot of controversy, and I, as you can imagine, I don't like it. Um, I'm not going to go into a long thing. I think I've made my Thursday night rants pretty, pretty well known, pretty well documented. But 
The official rule change is between weeks 13 and 17, the NFL can flex a Sunday afternoon game, which is a 1 or 4, 4.30, whatever, game to Thursday night football. They must give 28 days notice. No team can be flexed to Thursday night football more than once per season. And as in accordance to new rules this year, no team can have more than two Thursday night football appearances. Of note, this rule only passed because the 28 days notice was increased from 15 days notice. That's two weeks notice. Um, what's your thought? It's stupid. I mean, let's. I agree with you about the Thursday night game. I like having a game on Thursday. I think it's a major competitive disadvantage for the teams that are playing. Uh, but this 28 day thing. How do we know 28 days out whether it's a more compelling game or not in, in you know, week 16 or 17? I mean, it's, it's almost like, you know, kind of rolling the dice a little bit. You know, in worst case, you know, you're taking away a guy like an Aaron Rodgers that people still want to see if maybe the Packers aren't that good. And you're hoping that a team, you know, that was 7-3, and three, you're hoping that that all of a sudden seven and seven by the time that game happens and the game is irrelevant. I think it's stupid. I mean, I, I just, you know, just if you're going to commit to Thursday night games, you just guess what? That's the game. And so be it. You know, it people are going to watch or they're not going to watch. And also when it's on like Amazon or something, you're, you're cutting back the audience to begin with anyway, because not everybody has Amazon and not everybody, you know, you know, my dad's still trying to figure out where Amazon is, and the season ended four months ago. So, I, I, I don't know. I mean, you try to squeeze so much water out of the rock, and you're gonna start pissing everybody off. So, I think it's dumb. I think it's dumb too. Um, and I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna launch into too much of my previously stated Thursday night stuff. Uh, <laughs> but this is, this is an obvious blow to anybody who likes to travel to games because it takes scheduling to get... This is a major change. This is not a time change. This is a full day change where you're now moving backwards in time. So if you were planning on flying out Friday for a Sunday game, you will have already missed it because it happened on Thursday. Well, so, think about the, think of the logistics of the teams. I mean, forget the fans for a second. Which, well, the, you know, the, teams, the teams can do that. They have people who plan in advance, and they, they have a whole people whose whole job it is to switch that. Teams have deep pockets. Yeah. The reason I'm saying, I mean, like, that, yes, it's a pain in the ass. I mean, if you want to think about the cities that have to deal with the logistics of those private charters coming in and teams coming in and an inf- a change in influx of all the other fans going to the games – you know what I mean? Think about the traffic thinking, on Route Three, etc. But I was thinking more in terms of like logistics of getting ready to prepare. Like you know, coaches they have like the whole season in increments of fifteen minutes. So like we're doing this, then we're doing that. You know, day off this and that. And all of a sudden, you're kind of throwing a monkey wrench into the middle. So the logistics of preparing, which yeah, is mean, not it, part of your schedule. It it adds it, it certainly adds that monkey wrench in there. But I mean, it it. The team does have infinite resources to deal with this if it happens. I mean, uh, this giving it like a month's notice, I don't think it affects the team, but I think it, it I think it irreparably affects any fan going to the game, whether they're traveling oh, yeah. or not, whether they're traveling or not. I mean, think about the league. Think, well, first care. of all, just think about MetLife Stadium and the eighty-five plus thousand people who have tickets to those seats. 
Um, And just think about the clientele there and think about how many open tickets that suddenly floods the market with because people will not go to that. Oh, yeah. I mean, the guys Um, we go to with, you know, our 124 crew, you know, you can say, you know, a good majority of them, if they move a game from a Sunday at 1 to a Thursday at 8.30, are not going. I can tell you right now. Especially that late in the league. That late in the league year. Um, The the other thing here is – and in, in, aside from inconveniencing fans who want to go to the games, whatever, I understand what this is, right? Like this is Amazon just made a huge deal last year to take Thursday night football for a lot of money and it got screwed up. And this is an insurance rule that they don't actually hope they have to exercise. This is a we're sorry to somebody who gave a lot of money to the league. We're not yes. going to give you a discount, but – should a disaster happen where we can tell that, you know, week one, Aaron Rodgers tears an ACL, the Jets are going to be awful, and we're sorry that they're scheduled for a big prime time. We will flex something else in that spot. This is a one-year rule, and if it doesn't get exercised, it carries over to next year. My only concern here – I get this. This makes sense to me. I have problems with Thursday night football, etc., but I do understand where this comes from. I would have uh, – you know, it would have been nice if they just gave Amazon a fucking discount, but they're not going to do that. Yeah. My my concern here is that if it doesn't get exercised after two years, will they drop it entirely? A and B. Will they tally all of the times? Remember, this was previously increased from only fifteen days notice. Are they going to tally every single dollar they could have made extra had they been able to exercise within that tighter window? And change the rule to be even more strict in the future. That's my concern. Yeah, I, you know, I'm, I'm not a network executive, but um, just anecdotally looking at ratings, to me, it seems like ratings, unless it involves like the Cowboys or something, don't go exponentially higher if the records are really good, as opposed to having marquee names. Like if. If the Cowboys or the Packers or the Steelers, they're playing on Thursday night, ratings seem to go up. Unless it's something like there's two teams that are 10-0 and or 11-1 and 10-0 and playing, I don't see that big jump in ratings all of a sudden like it's must-see TV on a Thursday night especially. Um, you know, Again, if they flex in the Packers over – Instead of Arizona, oh yeah, there'll be more people watching. But again, you can only flex a team into that one time, so you can't shoot your load, you know, too early with it or anything. So, I I don't know. It just seems like it just seems greed from the fan standpoint of, you know, you have a system that for the vast majority works. You have, you know, I would say a good majority of the primetime games are good games. Why jerk around with the schedule, jerk with the fans, jerk with the teams just to squeeze that, you know, incremental scent out of it? Doesn't doesn't work. Yeah, I agree with you. And I think the problem, too, with squeezing out every every last penny is that they do this every offseason. They don't really even give the chance for their moves to grow. If that makes sense, like mm-hmm. every every move that every rule change, every scheduling change thing that you do to increase revenue, they just do another one the next year, and they don't really give proper yeah. time to analyze how much they've already done. I mean, you could be overdoing it. I, I really do think that like this 
every single year need to increase revenue is you haven't seen the full effects of what your last thing has done. That could be, you could be just going wild and doing all kinds of unnecessary changes that are bad for the game, but, and you can't even tell how much, you can't even quantify how much this new thing is doing because you haven't fully analyzed the last thing that you did. That's kind of my, my issue is this, this wanton nonstop juggernaut of increasing revenue. I don't even think they're even getting the real readout data before moving on to the next thing. The problem is that almost every seat in the NFL is sold before the opening kickoff on opening weekend. Right. And, and once you have those tickets already sold, that's to the fan. No, well, I mean, that's not, not even – again, like they're, – they're not, they're not in the business of trying to sell tickets this league because the tickets sell themselves. I mean there's a couple of exceptions. I, I understand that. But when we're talking about the Dallases, we're talking about the Pittsburghs, we're talking about you know, all those – vast majority of the teams, they sell out every game. They're season ticket holders or they have a, a big enough fan base where the individual tickets are all gone immediately. So they're not, they're, not, they're not concerned about the fans in their or selling tickets to get more people to go. It's like, you know, you bought your ticket already. TFB. It sucks. Yeah. I mean, this particular rule, it screws over the fan. I just, in in that statement, was just talking generally. Every single rule they do to increase revenue, I don't think they give enough time to even see no. how much they've done before no. moving on to increase no. more revenue. And I think it's silly. Um, Agreed. They hit us with one more rule change. This one also controversial. Um, the fair catch kickoff rule. Any fair catch on a kickoff inside the 25-yard line nets a touchback out to the 25-yard line. No, that's the college rule. Yes. Um, I hate that. I I really, really, really hate that. Beyond hate it. Go on. I just – to me, it's just like why bother? What's the point? I mean it – uh, it just doesn't make it. It just seems silly. I mean, I see it in college games all the time. It's just like, <sighs> I don't know. I can't even describe it. It's just like, why are we bothering? Why are we wasting our time even kicking it? Just start us at the 25 yard line and let's just play. I mean, why even go through the whole charade of doing it? Well, I mean, I think they know it's an exciting play, and I think people are really opposed to it. I think there's people whose whole jobs depend on it, special teams coordinators. Um, etc. Um, I, I, as far as the rule itself goes, I think it's I think it's silly. I think, for starters, uh, I think this could easily result in more pooch and squib kicks, which would cause more injury than less. I would think because now you have all kinds mm-hmm. of the wrong players with the ball in their hands, uh, potentially a, a bouncing ball in which there's a mad scramble for it because it hits somebody's shoe. Um, you know, there's that. Also, I, I just but- dislike. I, I would like the NFL to show its math because I'm going to ask you point blank. They said – maybe I have this quote wrong, but the gist of my point here is going to remain the same no matter what. This okay. rule change will result in a drop from 38% on runbacks down to 31% runbacks. That's their projection. And with that, they expect a 15% concussion drop. Now, let me ask you a fucking question here. They have decapitated the kickoff rule – Every time for, for like the last ten years now, I of all the concussions that happen in the NFL, I don't really see them happening on kickoffs anymore. I really don't. So I don't know. I would love them to show their math because that sounds like lazy fucking math to me. I I, I can't remember the last time that a lot of concussions happen on like quarterback sacks, guys being whipped into the ground on a spin tackle, routine plays. 
Well, if, if, if those particular plays, all of a sudden there's such an emphasis on concussions, just get rid of the play. I mean, it's like, I, I, why isn't that such See, concern about, about, about concussions or other plays? Do you really, is- my real answer is because I don't think that there are a lot of concussions on that play, and I think this is this is a play the NFL thinks fans will be palatable to eventually losing, but if they cut it all at once, they're not going to have the concussion numbers to fall back on. Yeah. I don't think they're going to – if they took the whole play out, the concussion numbers are going to stay relatively the same because they just don't happen on this play that much anymore. They have forced so many touchbacks just from the the forward kickoff now. Almost well, every ball sails into the end zone, and it and they increased the touchback pullout to the point where it's more of a risk to run out than not. And even then, the runouts, we're just not seeing it happen. Well, it's just also not just concussions. There's, you know – the injuries themselves, I think they're concerned about. But they, so, they cite the concussion number straight up. Yeah, and also, like, in general, the injury number, like I said, the rules they've done have already taken away a lot of the runbacks. That's also the cause celebrity you know, in the last couple of years. Is you say concussion, that gets more headlines, and that's more – so they can, they can appear like they're doing something. If you just say – That's my point. So they're yeah. fucking up the Thursday night thing. I think players are injured because they don't have enough rest. They don't have real numbers yeah. to follow, but they can look like the good guy and say, look at all these things that we have done – with the kickoff rule, and look, it's been 15% down. They just make up these fucking math numbers that I don't think really correlate to the kickoff play. I think they're taking overall they, NFL numbers. And they added a 17th game when there was no real demand for it. Exactly. And, and, the, and the, the everybody, like the, the, the union, the player association, they all were against it. Yep. You and know, this, is, so, this is their good guy move. We're just being good guys yeah. here. Yeah. This is I another one-year rule, I believe. Yeah. Um, I think in I think within ten years there'll be no more kickoffs. I think you'll there'll be something where you just start on the twenty five and just away you go. I mean, you know, the, you know what's dumb is that the XFL and USFL does have different kickoff rules. We've not seen that many injuries there. It's still a compelling play. They could they're perfectly capable of taking those plays. Mm-hmm. They won't do it. No, no, no. So I don't know. It's frustrating, but overall, it's been a good summer. Um, uh, Giants world, only good news, really. I mean, it's it's cool that the only thing that there is to talk about and that fans are arguing about is that either DJ is overpaid or Saquon Barkley doesn't have his money yet. Everything else is all good news. Yeah. I mean, I, looking back on the draft now that we're a little removed, I still feel that uh, there were positions that needed uh upgrades either from starting or depth and i feel like we've addressed a lot of those you know time will tell if they actually pan out but i i i i feel like we finally have you know a general manager in our front office that's in sync with the coaching staff and what the needs are what the coaching staff wants and this front office is providing what they want and what they need i think they're working in in, in tandem together which is something I don't think we've had in, in this organization for a long, long time. Long time. Uh, we got a new, we have a new turf, so hopefully we won't hear the bitching about you know every time somebody stubs their toe that you know it's terrible turf. I think that's an improvement. I think um, for the first time in a long time we have a fan base that's excited. I mean, I can't wait. Now that I'm back from this, you know, this long trip, I can start getting myself my head wrapped around, you know, the season coming up. I'm, I'm getting really really excited 
because I feel that last year was a little tease and a taste of what this team, you know, can eventually be. So, I, yeah, this has been uh, – we're getting into the, you know, the dog days now. I mean, I, I understand not all of you have a great baseball team like I do, so you're probably, you know, pretty bored with your, you know, your sports calendar now. But before you know it, you know, it's going to be June 1st next week. And before you know it, it's going to be July. And by the end of July is training camp. And – you know, we start the gr- grind. I put in, in, you know, these quotes. It's not a grind. It's, you know, it's the, you know, the March to to February, and it's it's coming faster than you think. And um, this is the first year in a long, long years that I'm excited, you know, for this season. In addition to be exciting for talking about it on this show. I mean, we'll have pom poms as much as our analysis uh, glasses on. That's right. So as uh, as I said before. We're going to have OTA report uh, number two next week on our usual Tuesday morning slot uh, where we're going to cover the OTAs. And then we have a couple of OTA report, another OTA report and a mini camp report after that. So our usual Tuesday. So stay tuned. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at football underscore grump at the cranky fan at just giants pod. Subscribe to the YouTube channel. Uh, you can also find us iTunes, SoundCloud, Spotify, etc. And of course, there's also my other YouTube channel, Football Grump. I have a link in the description below with my conversation with Stoney Keeley about the Titans draft, which is kind of a veiled conversation about Ryan Cowden. So I, I highly he, recommend checking that out. Stoney's a good guy. I was on his show uh, last year also, and we talked, uh, you know, obviously it was before the, the opening game, and we talked about obviously that game, but we also talked a lot of uh, SEC football too. He's, he's a really good dude. So very, very, very smart uh, evaluator and also a very funny dude. Yeah, um, good so guy. It, it is a it is a fun episode as well as insightful, in my opinion. In in my humble opinion, and it's mostly him talking, not me. Um, <laughs> Thank God. <laughs> all right, everyone, that's going to do it for us. We'll see you next week. Until then, go Giants. Go Giants.